The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome, welcome, welcome. We are set to go. We hope you are as well. It is uh, six minutes after 7 o'clock on your Wednesday evening and ready to roll, answering your employment law questions, possibly COVID-19 related or otherwise. Doesn't matter. Bring it on. Phone lines open and are set and ready. 416-870-6400 is a way to do that. You want to reach out through email, which we'll try to uh, get to some of those tonight as they're coming in already. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But... uh, Things you should never do without calling Lior first. We'll uh, work our way through that list as the evening progresses. But again, 416-870-6400. Lines are open, ready for you to call in and ask your questions. Feel free. The best ways to get the information and be the wiser. Uh, week that was, what's going on, Pally? Hey, Johnny. Uh, all is uh, well here. It's been a, Beautiful. man, man, a busy, busy day. In fact, up until about 10 minutes ago, we're still answering emails, getting back to people answering questions about uh, workplace rights and uh, hopefully hopefully giving people some hope, making them feel better. That's the name of the game. That's what I do, and that's what I want to do during this show. So if you have questions about employment law, workplace rights, how your job may have been impacted because of COVID and what to do about it, well, now is the time. Now is the place to call with that question. Uh, you may be staring at a severance letter. You may be staring at a temporary layoff letter. Maybe you're being called back to work. Maybe your boss is implementing some changes across the board in the workplace and you want to know, man, can they do this even? Is this right? Is this legal? No need to wander. No need to go to Google University. Instead, call us right now. We'll tell you what you need to know and solve those problems. And if what we say here doesn't answer your question, you want to have that private chat to talk to me or to email with me, we'll give you that contact information again throughout the show so we can have that discussion. But getting going tonight, week there was a couple situations that came across my desk uh, very very recently well first situation i'll tell you about involved a, a gentleman who i had spoken with he had, he had been let go after about 7 years of working in a very senior position uh and he had uh, he had been offered 6 months pay uh and the other thing that he wanted to know about other than his severance is his non-competition obligation he had signed when he started working a non-competition obligation that prevented him from working in the industry for a year. So you wanted to know about that as well, and is that legal? So let's kind of start with that. For most people, a non-competition obligation is not something that an employer can enforce. Uh, It's only really enforceable for the most senior people. Uh, So despite signing it, it may not be enforceable. But for him, actually, it was enforceable. He was an executive in a very, very senior role. So for him, the fact that he signed this non-competition meant he had to abide by it. But here's the interesting part. Because it's going to be harder for him to find a job, it's going to take him longer because he can't work in the industry. He signed a non-compete. That means he's actually owed more severance. Because it's going to be longer uh, to find a job, more severance has to pay him, uh, has to be paid to him. So even though usually I would have assessed him as being owed about nine months pay, but keep in mind he was only offered six, because of the 12-month non-compete, yeah, he should now be getting 12 months severance. So I'm going to help him get that. So really the company can't have it both ways. 
they can't say uh, we don't want you to work for 12 months but we don't want to pay you for that period of time so yeah if a company is going to try to hold an employee to a, a non-competition obligation they may have to pay him more severance so i bring that up here to talk about that but also to remind people that there are so many reasons as to why your severance could be impacted, why you could actually be owed a heck of a lot more than what you would expect. Maybe because you have a non-compete. Maybe because you were recruited from another job. Maybe because you're older, you have a medical condition, or you have a, a job in an industry that's not hiring, etc., etc., etc. There's many, many reasons. So that's why, John, it's so, so important to get that advice when you're, you are let go because the devil's in the details. You may be owed so much more. If you're staring at that severance letter, please do the right thing. Give me a call. Let's talk about everything that you're owed. And to reach out, by the way, uh, the aforementioned email address, help at uh, employmentlawyer.ca, but there's also one 821 5900 How about the evil twin of the uh, non-compete? That would be the non-solicitation agreement. Could that make a difference as well? Well, it's actually the, the less evil twin. Uh, wow. the, the, only because a non-solicitation is not as bad as a non-compete. A non-solicitation simply says, yeah, you can work wherever you want, just don't go after our customers. Right. So. Unlike a non-compete, a non-solicitation actually is enforceable, uh, enforceable pretty much for everyone. So if you signed a non-compete, if you signed an employment agreement or a document that says if you ever leave the company, you can't go after their customers for a period of time, yeah, that is something that's enforceable in most cases. So you have to take that seriously, especially if you're in a sales role, uh, in, in, a, in a role where it requires you to deal with customers. You want to make sure that if you do go to another company, you're not breaching those obligations. Again, 416-870-6400. Lines are open here. It's uh, only 712, so you got lots of, uh, lots of time to call in. What else, uh, what else you got going on, pal? I spoke with a, a gentleman who had uh, always uh, worked uh, well, rotating shifts, night shifts and day shifts, etc., rotating shifts. Well, he recently was uh, diagnosed with a sleep disorder, uh, quite a, a significant disorder. And his doctor felt that for medical reasons, working these rotating shifts made his condition worse. He needed to have consistent sleep. He couldn't adjust properly. His body couldn't adjust properly between the, the day shifts and night shifts. So the doctor gave him a note saying, this person has to be accommodated. Uh, whether it's on night shifts or day shifts doesn't really matter, but it has to be one of them and it can't be rotating shifts anymore. He gave that note to his employer, and the employer looked at it and said, well, sir, he can't help you. We have rotating shifts here. Everyone is in that same situation. Can you imagine if we say that you don't have to do it, everyone else is going to line up and say, hey, what about me? So, sorry, uh, you know, if you can't work rotating shifts, yeah, we're happy to give you time off work, take a medical leave of absence, but as long as you're working, you got to work rotating shifts. So this gentleman called me, and he wanted to know, well, wait a second. Do they have the obligation to accommodate me here? So the answer here is a resounding yes. They absolutely have to accommodate him. This is a legitimate medical condition backed up by his doctor. His doctor identified the fact that there's a medical need and identified what the accommodation is that, that, that can make it all better. His employer cannot avoid doing that if he if it can accommodate the fact that it may cause a bit of a headache with other employees or their other employees may be unhappy unfortunately for the employer does not prevent it from accommodating if you have a legitimate medical condition your employer has to make all efforts to provide that accommodation 
even if it's not easy, even if it could potentially be be costing them something. Now, there's obviously some situation where the accommodation is so extreme, then yes, of course, the employer doesn't have to do that. But that's not this case. His employer should have accommodated. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to send this employer a letter reminding them very nicely that, by the way, you have to accommodate. So please do what you're supposed to. And I expect that as soon as I get involved, they'll do what what they need to. But I wanted to remind everyone here, if you have a medical condition, if you have a doctor's note saying, here's the help that you need, the employer has the obligation to make all the efforts to make it happen. 416-870-6400 is the number. Our callers, our listeners, always top priority. Vic, thanks for taking the time. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you, Jen? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind, pal? Here's my question for Lior. If you're looking at a severance package, the employer offers a severance, and um, your full entitlement should be two years, but the employer offers you a one-year severance package based on your age, years of service, and uh, the, uh, the position that you held. The concern I have is not many people, if you decide to go after an employer, not many people can go without working for a period of time. Sometimes it can take a year to two years before you receive your full entitlement. So now you're looking at mitigating your losses and you're seeking additional employment. And if you do that, then that two-year entitlement becomes less. So what responsibility does the employer have to pay you your full entitlements? Because like I said, not a lot of people can go without pay for months and months and months um, before they seek or are able to acquire recompense for their entitlement. So what obligation does the employer have to pay you your full entitlements when you've mitigated. So, Vic, that's a very good question, but there's an assumption in that question that is actually incorrect. And that assumption is that it's going to take, you said, you know, one or two years before you get your severance. And that's absolutely not true. In most cases, it will take a few weeks to negotiate proper severance, a few weeks. And keep in mind, even if you don't accept uh, the severance from the company, they're still going to pay you a certain amount of money even without you accepting, and that could be a few months' pay. So so it, it's an incorrect assumption to say, well, it's going to take me two years to get my severance. I have to find a job. That That's simply not the case. The reality is that if you find a job before you've agreed to se- severance terms with your employer, that could impact your entitlements. That could absolutely reduce the amount of severance. So we, we take that into cons- uh, consideration when we negotiate and we dis- determine you know, how long should it take this person to find another job and what's the likelihood of them finding a job quickly. But keep in mind, if you're owed 24 months uh, and they're offering you a year to get you what you're owed should only take a few weeks at most, shouldn't take more than three months, and, and even that shouldn't be that much. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Lior. I mean, uh, having gone through the process, uh, some of these employers like to play the stall game, mm-hmm. and they don't really agree to uh, your full entitlements, knowing that you might be in a pinch, or that you know they can, they have deeper pockets than you have. 
Yeah, no, Vic, here's the thing, though. I, I never count on the employer just saying, oh, yeah, you're, you're such a nice guy, I'm going to give your clients money. No, it doesn't work that way. It's my job to make them. And it's my job to use the legal system to make it happen as quickly as possible. So if you're working with someone that knows what he or she is doing, that, that's good at this, it's nonsense. The company doesn't have a choice here. They're not going to be able to delay things. So that's a very important question. But that also is an indication is you have to work with the best when it comes to your severance. Vic, appreciate the call. Let's uh, let's take a short break. Bob, Neil, John, fellas, all hang on. Do not go anywhere. We'll get to your call. And the phone lines, obviously, are open and set to go. 416-870-6400. Employment Law Show continues. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. It is 721. Welcome back indeed. 416-870-6400 is the number to call through. Moving right into it. Uh, Bob, you're up next. Thank you for hanging on. How are you? Uh, Good. Thanks yourself. Great. What's on your mind? Uh, Anyways, the situation I'm in, I'm pretty sure it is human rights violation, listening to your show. Uh, The fact is... I work for a roofer. I'm a laborer. I had carpal tunnel surgery and tennis elbow surgery, both in the same day. My surgeon did give me, he knows I'm a roofing laborer. He gave me the all clear, go ahead, back to full duties. Now my employer is stating, well, don't have enough work for you and i don't want to take the risk of you damaging your arm again but my like i said but my surgeon stated i'm good to go full duties so bob certainly if your employer has work but chooses not to give you work uh, i agree that is a human rights violation because they're doing that based on on their assumptions about your medical condition, if in fact that's what happened. Obviously, it's a bit different if they legitimately don't have work for you because there's just not enough work. But if they're deciding based on what they think you can and cannot do, uh, despite what your employer, uh, what your doctor said, that is a human rights violation and that's illegal, that's that's discrimination based on a medical condition. Now, beyond that, uh, irrespective of whether it's a human rights violation or not, them saying, we're not gonna give you work, we don't have work, is something that allows you to treat the situation as a termination of employment. If your employer doesn't give you work when when you're otherwise available to work, that is a termination. So you'd be owed severance even if it's not a human rights violation. Now, Bob, how long have you worked there for? Uh, Approximately six years. And how old are you, Bob? He did use those both uh, reasons. One is don't have enough work, and I don't want to risk you damaging your arm again. Well, and how old are you, Bob? 54. 
So, yeah, you'd probably be looking easily at, at, at six months' pay, potentially even slightly more than that. Uh, and if they, in fact, talked about your medical condition, it does sound like a human rights violation. So there's both aspects, both the severance, which really makes this a wrongful dismissal, as well as the human rights aspect. So, Bob, what I want you to do is I want you to connect with me off air. Let me help you get this resolved. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like your employer is going to do what it's supposed to do here. So let me, uh, let me take care of it. Yeah, okay, great. I'll have to get my daughter to get your number for me because, well, I just have one of those flip phones and <laughs> no technology, so... Bob, I got you covered, no problem. And uh, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll give that out uh, throughout the show, so don't worry if you didn't uh, didn't catch it. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. John, you're up next, pal. How are you? I'm doing very good. Got a Great. What's on? Specific question yep. for you. Sure. Um, I'm I'm at a unionized company. I'm in a management position. Been there well over 17 years. Uh, the shop closed um, March 15th. Um, the government has not allowed us to reopen yet. It's at a casino. I'm still getting my benefits paid. Can I get constructive dismissal at any time? So, John, wait? It, at this point, you have to wait. Because of the fact that they, they cannot operate, it's not that they – they choose not to or they choose to cut costs, they simply are not allowed to operate by, by order of government, then you cannot at this point pursue constructive dismissal. Uh, if and when they're allowed to open, if they don't bring you back as of that moment, you absolutely could, but not until then. And like I said, if casinos is one of the few industries that are still uh, ordered shut. So in most cases, if you're still on the layoff, you absolutely can uh, can say constructive dismissal. But in this particular situation, John, because it's a casino, unfortunately, you cannot do that. Um, if they are allowed to open in a restrictive manner and they haven't yet called me back, but they could, could I then say, listen, you should call me back? Or yes. are they allowed to decide who they're allowed to call back and when? Well, they don't need everybody. If they could call you back but choose not to, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal at that point. You, you have to decide whether you want to. But my good advice here is before you tell them, that's it, guys, constructive dismissal, I'm out of here. Before you do that, I want you to, to call me. I want to have a discussion oh. with you. But that would be an option that you would have at that time, uh, John. Yeah, you're on my speed dial. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> okay. Sounds good, now, man. Listen, one more question. If, if yeah. they stop paying my benefits, does that change anything? Uh, no, it, it would not change anything here. I mean, the, the fact that they do is great. It's the right thing to do. It's what I'm telling employers to do. But in this particular situation, no, it wouldn't change it. Okay. And if I start working somewhere else to sort of make some money because I'm I'm making sure. less than a third of what I was making, um, does that hurt my position on if they don't ever call me back and then I no. have to? It, it, okay, it, so it doesn't hurt your position. It's else, fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, so that doesn't hurt my – oh, okay. I didn't know Yeah, that. And, and they can't say, well, wait a second, John. You're working somewhere else, so clearly you've quit. No, right. that doesn't work. You, you, you can work. You have a right to earn a living. So, no, I, I would not worry about that at all. Okay. And my last question, I'm sorry to bother you, but um, has my, um, my severance pay been deteriorated because of what's happened in the world, or has those laws still stand before COVID? Like, am I in a worse position because of COVID? 
No, not only are you not in a worse position, you actually are likely in a better position because of what's happening in the world, because it's going to potentially be harder to find another job. That means even more severance. So no, you're not hurt by COVID in terms of severance. If anything, it would have been increased. 416-870-6400 is a way to call through. We're getting to your calls. Uh, Neil, thanks for standing by. Good evening. Hi, how are you today? Good, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you? Okay, well, it's actually just more of a question of uh, personal mm-hmm. curiosity. I've heard in the past where Lior says if you've been laid off from a job and then get recalled uh, and you go back, then you're more or less deemed to accept the idea that you could be laid off again and the employer could do so. So I work in a, a restaurant maintenance type of industry in Toronto, and I was laid off in, uh, in the spring. I was brought back about two months ago, and everything's going great, but because they just announced that you know, the indoor uh, dining is being shut down again in Toronto, if I should happen to get told sometime in the near future, uh, sorry, bud, we got to lay off again, is it just tough luck because I already came back, or uh, is it extenu- extenuating circumstances due to COVID? Yeah, and unfortunately, it is, you know, I hate to use that words, but uh, but it is tough luck, and especially if the second layoff is also because of COVID, and like, just like the first one was, then no, you wouldn't be able to do anything about it because you've accepted that first one. And I'm not, believe me, I'm not criticizing at all. I understand exactly why you would. You needed a job. We all need a job. But because you, you that first layoff happened, you went back to work, you have given them the right again. So if they have to shut down and, and, and they do lay you off, there won't be much that you can do about that at that point. Okay, fair enough. Like I said, you know, knock, knock on wood, it hasn't happened, and I hope it doesn't. I was just curious. Yeah, beautiful. Good call. Thanks, uh, thanks, Neil, for ringing through. 416-870-6400 is the uh, way to make that call. As we've done so far, Bruce. Thanks for uh, thanks for standing by. How are you, uh, John? Hi, Lior. Um, hi there. Unfortunately, Lior, you can't help you with this situation because it happened uh, almost twenty five years, almost exactly twenty five years ago this month. But um, maybe you can make me feel a little bit better about the situation. <laughs> um, I use sure. severancepaycalculator dot com, and I potentially uh could have um lost uh gotten up to um four months uh severance mm-hmm. and i potentially i'll get to that in a second um i um had uh found another job um and it was about to quit when i was uh terminated and given six weeks uh severance and um they knew my manager knew that i found another job he actually cited that in the uh the ref- in the, the termination uh, the new job that I was going to was part-time casual um, uh, no set schedule how would that have affected any severance I might have done so let's say four months in the four months after you were let go the income that you earned from the new job was it more or less than what you would have earned from the first job uh, hourly it was less about uh But no, I'm talking in terms of what you actually earned in those four months. Regardless of how it's calculated, in those four months, did you earn more or less from the new job than you would have in the old job if you were still there? Um, Or or the same? I I, I see it was was less. Yeah, I see it was less. So essentially... Right. Essentially, in, in that situation, what you actually lost is is four months pay less the income that you earned over that four-month period. Oh, okay, that, so it's the, the income reduced. Yeah, okay, yeah. 
Right, because you already had the kind of the job lined up pretty much at the time of termination. Yeah, as a practical matter, you didn't lose the full four months. You would have lost four months less whatever that income is. So obviously, despite the fact that, you know, hindsight being what it is, you should have gotten advice back then. As it turns out, you probably didn't lose a ton uh, money-wise. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. That uh, makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) No problem. Bruce, appreciate the call, and uh, moving forward, if you need more advice, you know where to go, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. A lot of information to be found as well, even before the phone call, you want to check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the severance pay calculator, which has been mentioned a couple times by our callers already tonight, is part of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, just to uh, just to let you know. 416-870-6400 is the number to get on air here tonight. For the remainder of our time, Peter, thank you for uh, for hanging on. Hello. How are you? Hi, great. Thank you. Uh, this Excellent. is actually just a quick, straightforward question, but um, daycare workers, uh, I, I guess as part of the ministry regulations, they have to have a police check done. Uh, I believe it's every five years or so. Um, should the daycare be covering the cost of that? I think it's $80. So it's not like a you know, $5, $10 thing. And it's a bit of a process, but it's... Um, yeah, so eighty dollars every five years are supposed to pay. Um, is that something that the daycare should be covering, or or is it is it staff that are required to pay that? Like, what's the? So, Peter, legally, they're not required to pay. You know, you're asking if they should. Yeah, they they should. That's the right thing to do. But mm-hmm. legally, they're not required. That there's no law that that obliges the employer to to pay for it. Uh, and if the employer decides that, well, we need this from you and you have to take care of getting this to us, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Employee, then yes, they can do that and they wouldn't be doing anything illegal in that situation. Okay. All right. It was on my mind and I got through, so I'm happy happy about the answer too. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Uh, thanks, Peter. Appreciate that. And uh, feel free to call back anytime if you need uh, more advice. That's why the show is here. It happens really quickly. 416-870-6400 is the way to call through. you still got some time. we got lines open, so uh, so bring it on. Things you should never do without calling Lior first. Well, we heard a whole bunch of them, but uh, we'll get to another one here. This one is the biggie, and that is contract a Ministry of Labor for advice, especially when it comes to severance. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I was doing a, a session on, on Facebook Live. I do those every Wednesday, and, uh, you know, I was asked, well, wait a second, Lior, why is – what you're saying severance is what and what your cal- severance calculator says mm-hmm. why is that so much different than what the ministry of labor says you know what the government says i, I did the calculation he says you tell me 24 months ministry of labor says it should be 8 weeks what gives well let's be very very clear the ministry of labor can only advise you about your minimum entitlements okay they should only they, they only advise about minimum entitlements which are a fraction of what you're actually owed your full entitlements we also call those your common law entitlement so if you call the ministry of labor and say you know what do i get i work for this small company they let me go after 25 years what do i get they will tell you eight weeks don't believe me call them but the reality is that the real answer is you probably owed 20 to 24 months pay that's just the way the law is but it could get much worse than that not only you could get the wrong information which which could mislead you if you actually file a claim with the ministry of labor to get the eight weeks you actually give up your full entitlements you then can't change your mind and realize that wait a second I can only get eight weeks of the Ministry of Labor, but I, I want my full 24 months. You then are, are prevented from pursuing your entitlements. 
That's why I said you do not call the Ministry of Labor when you lose your job. That's why it's on the list of don't ever do anything without talking to me first. If you contact the Ministry of Labor about losing your job, about your termination entitlements, you actually give up your entitlements. So that's a, a sad feature of the way our legal system here is in Ontario, uh, and, and it's not something you ever want to do. So if you lost your job, call me. Call another employment lawyer if you don't like me. What you cannot do, not now, not ever, is contact the Ministry of Labor if you lost your job. Get to uh, Lawrence on the line. Hey, Lawrence, good evening. How are you? Good evening, guys. Leor, I actually talked to you about oh, six weeks ago. My employer was going to, had just that very day, said that they were going to offer me a new employment contract. They wanted to let me go, bring me back as a sales agent, and um, you had suggested that when they make the offer, I come see you to review it, and that's what I was going to do. Well, the managers are talking like, and they're in fact telling other people in the company and suppliers of ours, alluding to a new deal that they have with me that's going to be great. But HR has not actually come to me with anything. They've not changed anything. They've not come to collect the keys to my company vehicle, nothing. And it's uh, gotten weird. And I'm just wondering if you've got any advice what I should do. Yeah, I, I, I do. Think, I think no matter what they bring to me, I'm going to say no. Well, I mean, all, all I can tell you right now is until and unless they say stop working, you continue working. You do your job the best of your ability. As always, you go in the usual time, you leave the usual time, and, and you do your job. If at some point, today, tomorrow, next week, whatever, they come to you and say, okay, now stop working, now there's this offer, well, let, let's sit down and review it. But until then, for, it's business as usual. Maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe they'll realize we don't need it. We like our current deal with Lawrence. That's fine. But until they do anything, there's no need, reason, or, or any any purpose for you to do anything. So keep working a, until they change something. I'm a cross-division employee. I'm one of the only ones in the company, and I technically nom I nominally report to two, if you want to call them, area managers. And they're telling everybody, and they, I believe, think this deal is in place. Okay. Like, so do we, like, should they be telling people about, like, should they I mean, be I, 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 I wouldn't worry. Or? I wouldn't worry about what they're telling people unless they're telling people things that that hurt your reputation or you know or lies about you. But honestly, maybe they think the deal's in place. But from your perspective, probably best case scenario is they just let you be, let you do your job, uh, and, and not change anything. So if they do start changing, maybe they think that you've agreed to something, so they start changing. Well, as we've agreed, Lawrence, we're uh, taking away this or we're reducing that. If that's what happens, well, wait a second. We need to talk about that. That could be a constructive dismissal. But as long as they let you work on the same basis that you always have, there's no need to rock that boat. Just keep doing your job. Hey, well, the paycheck did come last week, so. Yeah, that that's good. <laughs> I, I would, I would, at some point, you would think someone is going to knock on the door and say, "Hey, we got to deal with this." But unless that happens, and until that happens, you got to continue working. Okay. Thanks, Lawrence. Appreciate you uh, reaching out. And, yeah, keep us uh, keep us updated if things do change. Call back for sure. Still got some time. 416-870-6400 to reach through here at the radio station and ask your questions just like Lawrence and all the previous callers. In the meantime, things you should never, never do without calling Lior first in a temporary layoff situation. Sit at home and just wait to be called back to work. Yeah, and we, we talked uh, t- uh, touched on this. Yep. A bit earlier today, a bit earlier today, because if you've been laid off temporarily 
and you sit at home, as we've just said, and you wait. And yeah, eventually they call you back. Well, the problem with that is, as I've said to an earlier caller, you've given the company the right to do it again. The company doesn't have a right to lay you off. They only gain that right if you give it to them. So if the company doesn't have a right to lay you off, you accept it. Now the second, third, fifth time, they can do it and you can't do anything about it because of the fact that you've let it let it happen. So with a uh, temporary layoff, you can always choose to treat that as a termination and get severance instead. Now, the other problem with waiting is at least currently with the way things are, if you decide to wait, you may be waiting until September of next year. So that's an awful long time to be waiting and sitting and hoping that you'll come back to work not knowing what your status is. So I think for many people, Rather than do that, which as I said, don't do that, at least not without talking to me, talking to, me to understand what you're, what you're potentially losing. Instead of doing that, why don't we treat that as a constructive dismissal? Why don't we talk at least about do we want to wait until next year? Do we want to go back and give the company the right to do it again and again? Or do we want to say enough is enough? Let's make the decision ourselves. Let's get our full severance, which by the way could be as much as two years pay, and then move on to another job. Good way to do it. Don't want to sit around and let that uh, fester anytime. That counts for everything that you uh, you give advice on for sure. Uh, one here that we just kind of covered by Lawrence, but I think you might want to expand on that, and that's things you never want to do without calling Lior first. Sign an employment agreement, especially if you're, well, you're already employed. You're already working there. Yes. Uh, so generally speaking, uh, an employment agreement benefits the employer. Okay, it, it, It's that simple. For the employer, it is a good idea. In fact, it's the best idea for the employer to have a proper, fully uh, articulated employment agreement. For the employee, you're much better to work on a handshake or you're better working with something written on the back of a, a napkin with a, with a pencil. That's much, much better than to have a 10-page agreement with a lot of legalese. Now, the, the reason for that is because there's protections that are available by law, and they're there whether you realize them or not. But what you can also do is give them away. And that's what an employment agreement does. It gives away some of those rights and protections that you would otherwise have. So when you look at an employment agreement, there could be terms in there, in fact, likely are, that are very problematic, terms that limit your severance, terms that allow the company to change your job, to reduce your pay, maybe to lay you off temporarily, maybe things that will prevent you from working in the industry, and more. So you got to pay attention to that. Don't sign without at least understanding what you're signing. And that problem can get even worse if you're already working for a company, and then the company says, oh, guess what, uh, Joe? We just decided uh, this week we want you to sign a new employment agreement. I promise you that the reason for that is not to help you. It's to provide the employer with better terms, with better things. So be very careful. Do not sign an employment agreement, whether you, if you start a job or if you're certainly working already, without calling me or at least understanding what you're agreeing to and what you may be giving up. Next one up is this. Make assumptions as to their status as the old independent contractor. I had a discussion today uh, with the lady that for the last 16 years worked full-time, made a really nice six-figure salary, and was an independent contractor. Right. Now, John, she was let go a year and a half ago, and the reason she waited a year and a half to call me is because she assumed she was properly an independent contractor. It's really recently that she finally learned, well, wait a second, I was probably an employee. She assumed that she was an independent contractor. If she had waited a few more months, I wouldn't have been able to help her. 
and then she would have walked away for her, you know, 18 months pay probably at a, at a really nice six-figure salary. So please, most people are that are really, uh, people that are working as independent contractors are really misclassified. So don't assume that just because you've, you're paying your taxes as an independent contractor, because you signed a piece of paper that says you're an independent contractor, don't assume that you are. The law decides what you are. I don't decide... You don't decide, uh, and even a piece of paper doesn't decide. If you look like an employee and act like an employee, you are an employee. And if you don't understand that and you assume that you're an independent contractor, you could be walking away from severance, from overtime, from vacation pay. Uh, You can get into trouble with CRA. Not a good assumption to make. So if you're not sure what you are, you can call me and I'll tell you and we'll, we'll assess it. Or, by the way, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca has a tool that allows anyone to find out in seconds if they're an, ind- an employee or an independent contractor. And finally, to wrap it up, this one is Employment Law 101. Never sign a severance letter. It doesn't get uh, it's more straightforward than that. We've talked on this on the show like we do every show. If you let go from your job, you have to get advice about your severance package. 90% of people are offered a lot less than what they're owed, and most of them accept it because they don't know any better. You know better. You know that if you're staring at that severance package or someone that you know is, you have to give me a call or tell them to call me. Let's get what you're owed. Don't give up on your entitlements. Richard, you got about 30 seconds. What's your question, pal? Oh, my question is, as I mentioned, is I just want to know what employees have been working like more than a year, well, more than years. I just want to know what rights do they have for new employees that are coming on board getting paid 10K more than they are? Uh, so... As long as the employer doesn't discriminate based on age or race or ethnicity, the company doesn't have to pay them the same amount. So it's not fair. It's not right. But unless it's discrimination, there really isn't anything legally wrong about it. And that's about all there is. Richard, appreciate the call. Good way to wrap it up for tonight. You want to reach out now that we are done. Here's how you do that a couple ways. 1-855-821-5900. The phone number. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you can always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website as well. Plenty of information there as well. It is either uh, anonymous or there's a contact button at the top right as well. Make sure you tune into our weekend shows on TV, Global TV and CTV as well, the Employment Law Show. Catch you next time right here on Global News Radio. Stick around. On Point with Alex Pearson is next. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.